Welcome home, Spiritual Human. I'm your host, Stacey McGee, and you are listening to the Spirit Fluent Podcast, a gathering place for spiritual humans, where each week we talk about becoming fluent in all things spiritual. And welcome back, Spiritual Humans. Uh, It is so nice to be here. We're on our fourth episode already. And I don't know about you guys, but I am personally loving this beautiful opportunity that I have to communicate with you through this podcast. And today, guys, we are actually doing a spiritual human Q&A. And these Q&A questions are submitted by you awesome listeners out there who have specific questions for me um, around the spiritual world and different spiritual topics. Uh, So first, we're going to start with Sari, and this is S-A-R-I, and I really appreciate your question, Sari. Sari writes, where can we find opportunities to test our intuition on reading for people? How do you know if you're a healer or a medical intuitive that may not have discovered your gifts yet? And she also says, also, I love the podcast. I listen tonight in the tub. Well, thank you for listening. Sorry. And I'm going to answer your question. Um, and I'm actually going to start that answer with a bit of a story. So I've always had some spiritual gifts. I've had dreams of the future as long as I can remember as a child. And I would just know when someone was lying or they weren't feeling well. And so there were always indicators to me that I had a spiritual gift. Um, I honestly think that we are all spiritually gifted in different and unique ways. Some of us are just better at listening to spirit, right? So how I discovered I was a medical intuitive actually took some years. Um, This was back in 2016 when I was brought in to help support Radiant Coaches Academy Um, in growing this amazing coaching business. And I went to Nashville to train and certify as a life coach for two weeks. And during one of those training days, we had an intuition day where Des, who's the owner of the company, and she is amazing, by the way, um, was going around to the group and she's like, say something that you feel intuitively about me. And, you know, people were like, oh, you're a good person. Oh, you like animals. You know, the regular intuitive questions. And she gets to me and I I say, oh, there's a cloudiness that I see in your head, this disruption within your brain. And I, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something imbalanced within your brain. And she looked at me kind of weird and she goes, yeah, see me after class. And I was like, oh shit, did I do something wrong? Did I say something offensive? Because, you know, as an autistic person, I'm constantly checking and rechecking myself um, because I don't want to offend people, right? And it's very easy for me to fall into that. So after class, I kind of tentatively went up and I was like, hey, yo, what's up? Um, what do you think's going on here? And she goes, I think you're a medical intuitive. And I'm like, a medical who's a what's a? And she's like a medical intuitive, someone who knows when people um, are sick or have physical imbalances. And that was really the first time that someone said that to me. And I didn't even know what it was at first. And 
it was really funny. She actually invited me to an amazing psychic Susie and, and Susie since passed on from COVID, but Susie was teaching this class at the Unitarian church in Nashville about intuition and psychic gifts. And she's like, let's go to this class. And so my friend Meredith and I went to that class that night and I was like, this is it. I'm going to just learn all these amazing psychic things. And I was wrong the whole night. Every time I tried, I was wrong. And I remember going to Susie and Des and Meredith and I'm like, I don't know why you guys think that I am this great intuitive. I can't get this. This is just impossible. And I I got actually very discouraged because I was like someone in, someone saw something in me that I couldn't find for myself. Right. And so there were signs that I knew I was a healer and a medical intuitive. And I didn't connect the dots until years later. But I, I just remember one day looking at a girl um, who at church and, goes, and I asked her, what's wrong with your liver? And everybody's like, Shh, why are you saying those things? Don't say that. And all the times when I was labeled as a hypochondriac because I would feel these illnesses in my body, but when doctors would check me, nothing was wrong. Um, which by the way, is very much connected to my mirror touch synesthesia. Um, and it was just all of these things started to connect and all of these dots started to connect. Um, and I had another awesome friend, Michelle, who actually kind of took me under her wing and said, okay, I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help you develop your intuition. I'm going to bring people for you to test on this. And one of the things that she said is, and this sticks with me to this day is, Say exactly the way you hear it, exactly the way you feel it, and do not mince words. And and I remember once I was on with this person she had brought on to read, and I was like, she's like, I started saying something. She's like, no, you're not saying what spirit is telling you. I can feel it. And I said, well, I can't say this. I, it's curse words. It's cursing. I can't. It'll offend her. She says, say it. And I said, well, she's pissed off that this motherfucker did blah, da, 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 da. And the woman just burst into laughing. She goes, oh my God, I literally said the identical thing to my sister before I got on this call. And my friend was like, see? And I was like, yeah. And so when we talk about testing your intuition and developing your gifts and discovering who you are, a lot of it is learning to trust yourself. Learning to trust yourself when you hear and feel and see things to say what they are, right? And honestly, you know, we've talked about this in a previous episode, but there is a fine line between mental health issues and spiritual stuff. And and sometimes those cross over. And so when you look at intuition, this is one of the things that I teach my clients and I teach in my intuition courses is the intuition is the first thing that comes to you that tells you something that is helpful, beneficial, protective to yourself, to your family, to someone around you, right? It's not the self-doubts. It's not the second guessing that comes after, right? Um, Intuition will never tell you to do anything to hurt yourself or someone else. If that comes through, that's a mental health thing. And we're going to, that's above my pay grade, guys. We go talk to a counselor or therapist about that, right? Um, 
but a lot of it is practice and a lot of it is trusting and just constantly practicing, but also noticing, noticing how you feel, noticing what you see, noticing the energy. Um, like before I get on calls with clients, sometimes I'll feel a wave of anxiety and I know the client is anxious before her call. And so a lot of it is learning how to notice subtle synchronicities. Um, you noticing how your unique intuition works. My intuition speaks to me in very subtle ways. Sometimes my skin will start itching or sometimes it'll feel like a feather drawing across my skin. And sometimes it's very loud, like intense physical pain. Or if someone has a throat chakra blockage, there's a lot of coughing that happens. Um, and it's, it's really a, a practice of learning how your intuition works. And uh, my mother is, you know, somewhat of a piece of work, but she did leave me with a good set of advice because I remember going to her and crying and saying, mom, how do I listen to my intuition? Everybody else has these beautiful experiences and I don't have these. And she goes, you just listen. And she goes, if you're at the store and in your heart or your mind, it whispers, buy a bottle of ketchup. And it doesn't quite make sense to you, but you're like, whatever. And you buy that ketchup. And you might find that your friends call you up that afternoon. They're like, hey, Stacy, uh, come to our barbecue. And you're like, oh yeah, I'd love to come. What do we bring? And they're like, oh no, we got everything. Don't worry about it. And then your friend goes, wait a minute, we're out of ketchup. Can you bring ketchup? And you're like, aha, intuition, bang. I brought ketchup, right? Um, and so spirit will test you with those really small inconsequential things sometimes just to test and see if you're listening, right? And sometimes spirit will throw some big things in the mix. And so what I will tell you is you will have these times where you don't listen, where you're like, ah, shit, I knew it. Those are evidences of intuition. They are evidences that your intuition is working and that you're right. And use those moments to pay attention to how did you feel? What came to you? What triggered you to want to do something else? And next time you get those same sensations, go with them. And when it comes to finding opportunities to test your intuition, um, I have intuition days, one, where I just go around and like everything's intuitive. So um, if I get a prompting that pops into my head, call your mother-in-law, I call my mother-in-law. Um, but the other thing that you can do, now th this is something that, it, you know, we need to be careful with. I'm going to preface with this. You can go sit at a public place, at a mall, and just start noticing things about people's aura, about their energy, what you feel from different people, um, what you see in different people. Now, this is not the same thing as just going up to them and being like, can I read you? <laughs> can I read you? Or, ooh, hey, I, you know, we don't want to do the Teresa Caputo, the Long Island medium thing where we just accost people and like, hey, I just picked up something. There's, there's a spirit next to you. Like you want to be really mindful of people's energy. You don't want to accost them, jump into their energy without their permission. Um, you know, that's just bad karma, guys. Um, you know, if you pick up something where you're like, ooh, this person really needs to know. Um, you can strike a conversation with them, introduce yourself and ask them, how do you feel about psychics, mediums? How do you feel about intuition? Um, and if they give you positive signs, you can be like, hey, I, I have this gift. I'd like to share this with you and see if it resonates. And if they say yes, go for it. And if they say no, honor it. I can tell you, I have had people who've gotten flat out mad at me 
you know, when I've picked up something and tried to share it. Um, so you have to be mindful. Like I, I saw this guy that had just this amazing birthmark up his arm and I was like, Oh my God, I, I want to tell him what this means for him. It's just an amazing birthmark. And so I went up to him and I was like, Hey, you know, I have some spiritual gifts and I wonder, can I, can I tell you the spiritual meaning of your birthmark on your arm? And he was this big burly guy and he just kind of looked me up and down and gruffly goes, no, and kind of turned away. And I was like, Oh, and I've been yelled at when I've approached people. And, and so you do need to use, you know, care and caution when you do this, but there's nothing wrong with just observing, observing the energy around you, observing the energy of people, take notes. Um, and you can do that without obtrusively getting into their energy or things like that, you know, um, just notice what you pick up with them. I'm not saying like jump into their energy field and pry it open. And you just notice if you notice things, notice if you notice they have a specific aura color that's following them, or maybe someone walks past you and you feel a specific energy about them. You can notice those things, um, without affecting someone's agency, you're kind of being obtrusive into their energy field. So, um, hopefully those are ways that uh, you can explore and test your intuition. Um, I also am teaching an intuitive life co coach certification. And in this certification, um, those that are certifying are going to have opportunities to practice on other people. Um, and so, you know, you guys pay attention to your emails uh, who are on my email list, because we'll be sending out a call for those of you who want to be uh, practice victims. I, victims isn't the right word, but it just makes me laugh that for these people who are, are, are learning to be intuitive life coaches, um, I would say if you're practicing intuition on yourself, um, it, it's best to try to read people that you don't know. Um, and so like for me, I did tons of free readings before I ever took a paid reading um, for years and years of, Hey, can I do a free reading for you? And then ask people. And, and if any of you have had a reading with me or a session with me, you will notice, I will always keep asking, does that resonate with you? Does that make sense to you? How does that feel to you? Um, and you get feedback from them and honest feedback at the end of every one of my sessions, I send out, um, a, a feedback kind of questionnaire, like, Hey, what did you think of your session? Um, con I'm constantly getting feedback from people, um, and it's not an ego thing. It's like, okay, I was right. Okay. I'm on the right track. Um, so those are kind of some ways to do that. Sorry. So thank you. Sorry for your question. I appreciate it. And I'm going to move on now, um, to a question with, from Kelly and Kelly asked about how do you, how to deal with, um, children with autism and food aversions. And so a lot of you guys may know this. Some of you may not. One of my spiritual gifts, um, besides being an autistic person myself, is the ability to communicate with nonverbal autistic and special needs children. And it is one of my most cherished gifts. I absolutely love doing it. And I've spent a lot of time working with these children, doing free readings for these children. Um, and it's been such a blessing to me. Uh, and so this answer will be from my obviously non-medical perspective, from the perspective of an autistic person. And also from the perspective of what I have seen uh, with the children that I've worked with. And so first, me personally, as an autistic person, food aversions can be textures, they can be smells, 
Um, they can also be when we are overwhelmed. So like right now, I'm a in a little bit of an autistic shutdown, meltdown phase. Things are a little stressful for me. I'm trying to rebalance my energy, create new boundaries. And so I am in what, way, what I call my white food phase, where I only want to eat things that are white. So what does that look like? It looks like very plain foods like rice and bread and potatoes and like coconut milk, things without a lot of flavor um, because highly flavored things are overstimulating to my palate and over overwhelm overwhelming. So the one thing that I would say when you're dealing with someone, uh, dealing is maybe not the right word, when you are, are, are helping and supporting someone who is autistic or is neurodivergent and they have a food aversion, it may be that certain smells or tastes just are overwhelming to them. And it's just too much because as we talked about in a previous episode, you know, autism is not the lack of empathy, but actually, actually being hyper empathic, hypersensitive. And so a lot of times, you know, we're so sensitive to the world around us that we look to our safe foods um, as a way of just alleviating some of the chaos and the stress of the day-to-day -day around us, right? And so that that is one thing that we would look at is like, okay, is that food aversion related to something like that? The other thing that I've noticed with my, my clients um, is that sometimes the food makes them feel unwell. Either there's a food sensitivity, a food allergy, it hurts their stomach. Um, maybe they have reflux or GERD. I've seen this with a client where they had a lot of reflux and GERD. And so swallowing certain foods hurt them. They felt physically painful. Um, one client had a cavity. And so, you know, certain foods aggravated the cavity or certain foods felt weird in their mouth, right? And so, there's also the thing of working with your doctor and making sure that there is not an underlying medical condition going on, like a food sensitivity, a food allergy, something that's aggravating um, a current ongoing medical condition, right? Um, so those can also be certain things, right? And so there's, there's many layers to those things of, you know, why um, autistics reach out and connect with certain foods because they feel safe, because they feel comforting, because there's no surprises, right? That, that are connected with that. Like I, I am, when I am not in meltdown, I am all for like spicy foods. I love Indian foods and, you know, I live in Arizona, so I love authentic Mexican food and I love sprinkling tahini on everything. But sometimes like right now, like I'm in my meltdown phase, the idea, like I actually put tahini on my watermelon and I was like, no, can't, mm -mm. it's too much. It's just overwhelming. So looking at those things and saying, okay, why? And then the third thing, when we look at, you know, food aversions is, you know, sometimes, and this happens a lot when I, when I do readings for autistic and special needs children, they want autonomy. They want the ability to make choices, right? And so some of it has to do with control. 
they feel unheard. They feel out of control. I cannot tell you how many children tell me, um, that, um, they think I'm stupid, but I'm not. I've had at least like a dozen autistic children tell me that during a reading. And, and I'm like, I know you're not, I know you're smart. And it's, you know, sometimes I've said like this before, like, I feel like I have scrambled eggs for brains and our thoughts don't always come out the way we want them to with our words. And so sometimes it's a control thing, right? And so it becomes difficult, obviously, when you're dealing with a child who is autistic and they're like only wanting to eat like the same five foods because, you know, vitamins, nourishment, things like that. So look at working with your doctor. Uh, can we supplement? Like for me, like I'm in my white foods phase right now. So I add protein shakes and lots of vitamins. Um, I have reflux and things like that. So some of my vitamins come in the form of transdermal vitamins, like um, lotions, like I have a vitamin D lotion and a magnesium lotion. So work with your physician as well at like, are these things an option? Are these other ways that I can get in the the proper nutrition um, for my child so that they're, they're more balanced in what they need. And, you know, sometimes that could be looking as simple as like, maybe they have a magnesium deficiency. So, um, you know, and I, I don't know for sure. I'm fairly certain that this is, this is true. And, you know, again, I'm not a physician, so I'm just speaking from personal kind of a, my wisdom bank here, but, you know, it could be as simple as like, oh, maybe they have a magnesium deficiency and maybe we can help supplement that by, adding Epsom salts to their bath water every night and they're going to absorb and it may not be enough. You know, I don't know for sure. So you'd have to do some research and again, talk to your doctor with that, but maybe we're going to get them extra stuff that way, or we're going to add vitamins or electrolytes, um, to their water or to their fluids or things like that. So, um, definitely something you want to work concurrently with their doctor. If they have, um, a support team or a therapy team, talk to them on some options on what you can do. But hopefully that can help you understand food aversions, at least from my perspective as an autistic person and someone who's done uh, readings for autistic people. So thank you, Kelly, for your question and sorry for your question previously. I love being able to answer these questions for you. If my listeners out there are interested in having me answer questions for you, uh, you can go to my website, spiritfluent.com, click on the little podcast button, and there's a place at the bottom of that page to submit your questions to me. I can't guarantee I'll be able to respond to everyone, but I will do my best to answer as many questions as I can. Um, and I'll probably try to do that weekly of having our spiritual human Q&A where we can answer those questions for you. And so thank you all my beautiful spiritual humans for being a part of my podcast and listening to that today. Uh, don't forget that there's a lot of awesome resources on my website, spiritfluent.com, as well as over 110 videos, meditations, and energy healings on my YouTube under spiritfluent as well. And all those links can be found on my website. So until next time, my beautiful spiritual humans, have a wonderful day. Goodbye.